This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. St. Kevin's boys are top of the tree of Irish schoolboy soccer. Founded in 1959 in Whitehall, North Dublin, St. Kevin's has grown from a small local club to a club that dominates Irish underage football and can compete with Real Madrid and Ajax of Amsterdam. Liam Brady, Damien Duff, Jeff Hendrick and many more have bounced from the club that's now based on Shenowen Road all the way to the Irish international jerseys and the top of professional football. A big name in 2014, though the club is very proud of its roots, as chairman Michael O'Callaghan explains. St. Kevin's were founded in 1959. It's actually a very good story. that There was a priest, Father Des Williams, was down in the Bishop's Palace um, as, as a cure, young curate, and he was he came up to Ellenfield Park where we were based at... Well, sorry, St. Kevin's didn't exist, but Ellenfield Park was there. And he saw a couple of kids hanging around on the on, on grass pitches as such, and uh, there was goalposts up, and he was very observant. He noticed there was goal in, in, in there was grass in the goal mouths, and if you he, he kind of knew that if the pitch was being used to be, be bare bare goal mouths, so he kind of said to the lads, "Who do you play for?" And they said, oh, "There's nobody around here. We don't play for anybody." He said, "There's no club, no." So he formed a team around that time. That was maybe fifty, might have been early fifty nine. He formed a team that went into an actual altar boys league and uh, played like local altar boys teams around the Dublin area. And out of that grew, basically grew St. Kevin's. That's where it came from. Um, another man called Morris Coffey would have been a very leading man in, in forming the club. Uh, that priest, Des Williams, became Bishop of Dublin, then Bishop Des Williams, and um, he formed the club. Where did the St. Kevin's name originate from? And also the, the crest, that Celtic cross. And um, yeah, we're not, it's very hard to get information on, on the why St. Kevin's. We think that St. Kevin was one of the, Dublin has a number of patron saints. I, I'm not an ecclesiastical expert, but... Dublin would have two or three or four patron saints or associated saints, and St. Kevin, I think, was one of them down in Glendalough. Now, when the club was founded, Father Williams, apparently, the story goes, Father Williams um, picked the, the Celtic cross that was on the Celtic cross down in Glendalough. Um, he picked St. Kevin, and then Glendalough has this Celtic cross, and he picked that Celtic cross, and that's the symbol that we use. In terms of the jersey colour, which back in the day, particularly back in the, in the, in the troublesome times, um, the, the orange colour was a standout colour. We were the only club wearing it. He wanted a colour that was distinctive. That's the story we got. And he went into some some premises down around Cathedral Street and off, off O'Connell Street. And he just said to them, like, I want a distinctive colour. I don't want red. I don't want blue. I want something different. And he happened to see a roll of cloth that happened to be tangerine. Officially, the colour is called tangerine. And he said, that's exactly what I'll have. Now, I don't know if he made the connection between Tangerine and, and, and then the Orange movement, the Orange Party and all that, but I don't know if he did. But for many, many years, if you saw a team playing in Tangerine, you knew it was St. Kevin's. Now, I mean, it's not quite so easy because many, many clubs have, have, have taken on board, but it's, we've tried to maintain, it's a hard colour to match up, in fact, Tangerine. Um, it doesn't go with all the colours in the world, so in, in designing ledger wear equipment, it isn't the easiest colour to match up with, but we've stuck with it and it's, it's part of our, our, our culture, it's part of what we are. In the Formula 59 and then in 2009 our 50th anniversary was coming up so maybe back in 2006 or 7 we decided we better to put something together so we said we'd do a history book and it fell into my lap by default nobody else would take it so I took it on 
And we, we got 15 or 20 people in the club to write chapters on it, rather than one person writing it all, 15 or 20 people wrote in about their perspective of the club as they saw it on, on the various issues that there were about the football, about academies, about you know development, about about camps. We used to do a holiday for kids called a camp um, back in the day when people didn't travel away to Spain and places like that. We would bring them down the country, to 150 kids or so, for a fortnight in, in the first two weeks in August. And there was great memories of that and great photographs. So we, we did a nice little history book which was well received by, by the local community and, and former players and went went abroad because a lot of our people now have moved, have emigrated to the four corners of the world. So um, that was that was the history of it, but I mean, a club like this doesn't survive in history very long. It's always about next year and this year and next year and the future. History is it's there to be acknowledged in the background, but not, not to dominate in any which way, you know. Giles with the free. Now it's Brady. Oh, beautifully played, he's in. Yes, Liam Brady. I'm Liam Brady. I was uh, brought up in Glenchesk Road, Whitehall, just around the corner from Ellenfield Park, and that's where I started playing my football with St Kevin's. Liam Brady joined St Kevin's boys at the beginning of his footballing career and the very early days of the club. Brady moved from St Kevin's boys to join Arsenal, where he won an English FA Youth Cup in 1971 and a coveted FA Cup winner's medal in 1979. Liam then went on to play in Italy, one of the greatest ever players to play for Ireland. Liam recalls his early football days and his time with St. Kevin's boys. I think there was a real buzz around um, the streets where we were from uh, that we were going to have our own football club in our own park uh, around the corner from where we all lived. And that kicked off, uh, I think, about three or four years uh, before I joined. So the club was relatively new and you know all the all the boys are on the on the roads and around the place were joining the club so you know that's what I wanted to do uh, and I think when I joined Kevin's I was probably a bit too young to be uh, officially joined I was playing under 13 when I was about 10 and uh, I think the under 13 age group was the first one they had in the in the system and I was about 10 and probably wouldn't have got in anywhere else. <laughs> As you developed here, obviously from a footballing family, was there any pressure from your brothers that maybe you should be better off down in, in Stella Maris or home for him? No, no pressure from my brothers. There was, there was always constant requests to go to those clubs and others as well. But, you know, when you were... Uh, when you get involved with a football club and you become friends with the guys you're playing with, and uh, you know, there was never any, there was never any temptation for me to go anywhere else. You know, uh, I was very happy where I was, and I was with uh, a team that was winning. Uh, I think some of the kids can get get uh, attracted away from football clubs if you're not winning and they're good, and you can't get a trophy or something like that. I think it happens in Dublin. And uh, happens right through professional football as well. Uh, but at that time, I was in a very good team, and we were constantly winning year in, year out. So, you know, it never really crossed my mind. Although I had lots of approaches to go. What was it like around that stage? As I say, it was a kind of new club. It was a new local club uh, going into in around Whitehall. Was there that kind of growing uh, anticipation, or do you remember that kind of that growing feeling that this was this was our club? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, kids in the road who were probably 16 and 17 were playing for the under-18s and 
the amateur team for Kevin's and things like that. So these were these were lads that we looked up to when we were eleven and twelve. They, you know, they were the men. You looked at them at men, and they were playing for the club. So I think that created the the attraction of of uh, the whole community being together and uh, revolved around St Kevin's for boys from 12 years of age to 24 years of age. Was there any other kind of local clubs in, in around Whitehall at the time or all, everyone on the team was looking to, you know, were looking forward to take on Baldwell United or something like that? No, we, uh, the, the nearest, I think, rivals we had were Home Farm, Stella Maris and then uh, Rahini. Um, uh, there was a team in Artane, I think, called Bolton in and around Northside Dublin. And Cabra, uh, Villa United were very tough hard place to go, used to intimidate you. I remember our, our manager, Desi Lawler, was you know always active in getting good players into the team, you know, and tough players as well. So when we would go to these places that we had, had fellas who, you know, well, we had fellas that would stand up to this, you know. If, it, if they wanted to have a fight, we'd have a fight, you know, not necessarily me, but some of the lads in the team. I remember uh, Shorsha O'Reilly, uh, Noel, Noel O'Reilly from Lark Hill. Shorsha was from Balmond. He was, he, was, uh, he was considered a posh boy because he didn't live in a council house, but he was hard as nails. And uh, Noel O'Reilly from Lark Hill, real tough guy. I saw all these guys at the 50th anniversary. It was great to see them all again. And all the older fellas that we used to look up to and a lot of the younger people that probably looked up to the team that I was with, you know. So it was it was a great occasion. To stay in touch with Kevin's, was there the first time you played for the Irish senior team? Was there anyone from the, the schoolboy club that, that was in Dalyman Park back then? I'm sure there was a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. Um I remember getting I still have it to this day, um a telegram on my first game for Ireland, you know, from Saint Kevin's. Um all the people there. Uh yeah, um, you know, they were very proud when I got my first cap and they supported me and, you know, St. Kevin's got a big place in my in my life. Producing players the likes of Liam Brady is what St. Kevin's boys do for a living. It's a large challenge to try and recreate elite-level footballers, but delving behind the walls of Shinoan Road on a Saturday tells the story of a local community club who wants to work with all young people in the area, no matter of standards. Teaching them football is fun for all the players and for the mentors. I'm Jerry Murta. I'm coach with the Little Saints. Uh, Saturday afternoon down here, I've coached other teams over the years in the club. I'm also director of the club and I do the newsletter and any other job that they ask me to do, like all the other volunteers that we have down here. My own, my own kids started playing football. They're, they're 23 and 21 at this stage and they started playing football when they were five years of age down here in Kevin's and they played all the way through. Now they actually gave up at about 15 to 2. But because of that, I got involved in the coaching end of it and in the managing end of it in teams. And um, ever since I've been involved with it and uh, actually love it. In that kind of 14, 15 years, you've seen a lot of developments. Obviously, the FAI have kind of become more coach driven um, with their programmes. But uh, from your own point of view, what type of, of young person has developed now through the, the Celtic Tiger years and, and that come down here for, to, to play for St Kevin's? In, in terms of players themselves, well, we would, have, we would have regularly probably four or five players a year that would sign contracts in UK clubs. And this year we actually had about six players that have signed contracts with uh, Air Tricity. 
league club. So we, we would generally have a huge number of players at that level that go on to play football at a, at a serious either professional or semi-professional level throughout life. Um, a, a lot of the other guys that we would have coming down, the, the, the kind of younger kids that, that don't get to that level, the idea is to get them to have a love of the game so that they'll always stay with the game, that they'll play it no matter what. Um, and it's, it's a team sport, so it's all about being part of a team. And we feel that's a great development with, with kids. As part of a team, it helps them in going, through, in going through college, it helps them going through life. It helps them to deal with situations that are going to come up against all the time. You've noticed that there's a lot of kids nowadays, a lot more time spent indoors for a number of reasons. So how has that, that changed? Are you noticing a kind of lower uh, motor skills levels in kids than kids into where 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago? Uh, certainly. Um, there's a huge difference with kids now when they come down. A, a lot of them can't run, you know, maybe even 100 metres without being short of breath etc most of most kids are now driven to school they're driven to their friend's house they're, 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 they're driven here they're driven there they're collected you know in the schoolyards so many of the schoolyards where or you can't be doing any running you know you can't be playing any sport it's it's very sedentary sort of lifestyle that people are developing now that leads to obesity and other problems that, that will happen with children over the years but football to me is very important to get them down to a park and just get them running around and making sure that it's not competitive is, is to me critical in doing that because kids kids will enjoy kicking a football um, they don't care what the score is the kids here this afternoon won't, most of them won't remember a score they'll remember scoring a goal but they won't remember a score at the end of the day you'll find that children nowadays are there's less kids you'll find cycling to, to school etc mainly because of traffic there's so much traffic on the roads etc it's um, and I think that's a great shame with children. I think children suffer because of that. And it's, it's something that society itself needs to change. And it's only through sport and getting people out that you will do that. Now, interestingly enough, I find that the, the, the parks in Dublin don't open till Sunday, at 10 o'clock on a Sunday. Yet they're open at 8 o'clock Monday to Friday when the kids are in school. So they're actually open while the kids are in school during the week for longer hours than at the weekends. Which I think is... A, is Again, a shame that we can't do something about that. Our own park, Ellenfield Park, we'd have trouble getting matches at start at 10 o'clock on a Sunday or half 10 on a Sunday in trying to get preparation for the game because the, the place won't open in time for kids who are coming down. So to me, I think you should have a park open from once it comes summer. Get it open from 7 o'clock in the morning and leave it open until 9 o'clock at night till it starts getting dark and just let people enjoy it. There's, there is anti-social behaviour, but you're going to get anti-social behaviour no matter what in any place. So the idea is the more you have it open to stop anti-social behaviour, the less you're going to have in that area. Um, so, and it definitely, in the long run, would help children with, with motor skills itself in, in, in making sure that they're able to, to, to run around. When you're here with a group, what do you look to entrust in the players? You've obviously spoken about motor skills and, and bringing them on. There are obviously young kids here at the moment. What do you look for yourself to, to bring them on in, in a coaching cycle through September to May? With the players that we do with their 48-year-olds, we, we basically want to see some form of improvement in, in what they're doing. And that improvement may not come in the first year. It might be the second year that you that you'd see it happening. I've often seen players come down here, young, young kids come down here, and as the old expression goes, they couldn't kick snow off a rope. They'd be very, very weak. But within 12 months, that will have changed. I think the most important thing with children is that they get a love of the game and they get a love of playing the game. Because once they get a love of playing the game and being involved in the game, they will always improve. Because uh, by their own human nature, they will want to do 
things better. They'll, they'll see something on television, they'll want to try and copy it. They'll want to try and improve themselves. So, I mean, from our own point of view, what we look for is just a natural progression of the player themselves. That when they're in, we have a junior cycle here, four to maybe six-year-old, and then seven to eight-year-old in a senior cycle. So we would be looking at the junior cycle, that when they develop through that into the senior cycle, they should at least be able to kick a ball properly, they should be able to dribble with it properly, they should be able to pass the ball properly, they should have them basic skills involved in, in what they're doing. And we would certainly be trying to encourage that, and with the repetition of the drills, etc., that we would do throughout the year, that's what we're trying to get with them. Um, shooting is so important, and every, every session will end on kids shooting. For, for two reasons. One, it develops the skill that they need to, to hit the ball and connect with the ball properly. And, and secondly, it allows them to score goals anyway. And kids like to score goals and maybe even celebrate, and etc. It's, it's good to, to get them, to give them the self-confidence of being able to express themselves when they, when they play football, that they're not, a, they're not afraid to try and do something. People look at St Kevin's Boys as an elite club. Though it was previously covered with Jerry Murta, that is not the full story. St Kevin's Boys gained some assistance from the FAI, to help bolster player support and allow for as many young players as possible to play football. Martin Doyle is a community liaison officer with the FAI and works with clubs like St Kevin's Boys and tells us how St Kevin's Boys work throughout their player development. I played for St Kevin's all the way through um, from a schoolboy perspective in and up as far as the senior level. Um, and Kevin's weren't always uh, classed as an elite club. Um, they had to work really hard over the last number of years to create a, an elite environment for um, the better players or the players that were ready to maybe move up to that level. But from a community aspect, they've definitely been involved in the community um, over a number of years because at most age groups, they've got three or four teams um, at every age group because some kids uh, develop quicker than others. Um, so they do create teams and a playing environment for um, kids that mightn't just be ready at this particular time, but hopefully with development and coaching over a couple of years, they could step up then and maybe play at a higher level. Perspective when you have a club like this that's so developed, how, what would DFEO's role development-wise be with trying to keep this, uh, this club on the road, really? Um, well, the FEI play a huge part in most of the clubs, and in, in particular this club, St Kevin's Boys. Um, the FEI would, would organise um, coach education courses for the coaches that's dealing with the kids on a regular basis. Um, obviously, it's difficult for the FEI to affect every single child um, that plays uh, grassroots football, but they can definitely help along with the coaches, upskill the coaches to be able to deliver um, decent training sessions, decent development uh, games for um, for kids within the club itself. Um, they also would look at the likes of um, fundraising workshops and ideas around fundraising workshops and upskill basically volunteers and parents to be able to look after teams going forward and get involved in sport and somewhat. big challenge focusing on all clubs in the country is child welfare and protection. Martin Doyle explains how important his role within the FAI is in advising and training clubs like St Kevin's Boys in this matter. At the moment there's legislation coming in in relation to uh, child protection and each club now needs to have a child protection officer um, and he would ensure that all coaches now are guarded vetted and that anybody coaching within uh, grassroots or anybody coaching within soccer or any sport needs to be guarded vetted um, so that's that's monitored within the FEI. Um, also, there's a child protection uh, or awareness workshop that has recently come in uh, 
in, le- in legislation that all coaches now must go through a three-hour workshop uh, on child protection and awareness. Um, so you're just constantly educating volunteers, educating coaches and managers um, the do's and don'ts and um, so that, 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 that hopefully it will, it will keep everybody on the, on the straight and narrow. Dave, how's it going? Yeah, Neil here from uh, St. Kevin's Boys uh, Football Club. Yeah, we had a, a very good day today. I said with five games on today, the weather kind of got a little bit of a, a hold on us today. So it was a, it's not just coaches who work tirelessly at St. Kevin's Boys. Today, um, There's a large the community behind the scenes keeping the club running and making sure teams are fielded every weekend. Pierre O'Neill Fox updates the local community every week at the goings-on on St. Kevin's Boys, including a slot on Near FM Sports Show. Neil has been involved with his local side all his life and has very fond memories of some household names. What's it like when you go down for the very first time to see Jeff Hendrick or Robbie Brady that first time in the Aviva Stadium? It's great. I says, myself and another member of the cl- club, Kieran Heffern, are involved with the FEI matches day. So we actually get to speak to the guys before the game, when tra- just before about the train and all that. And you kind of say to yourself, God, I was, I was there when those kids stepped in, at eight and nine-year-olds, and now look where they are. They've, they've moved on to the international playing in a fantastic stadium like the Aviva. So, and hopefully there's a few more. There's a few more on the horizon that we're looking to uh, to get through. We've um, we've Robbie McCourt who's just signed for West Brom. Trevor Clark who's just signed for Middlesbrough. And then we've Jack Bourne who's at Man City, and Jack is doing very very well. He's he's on the under twenty ones at the moment. And then we've Alex O'Hanlon at Liverpool who's doing excellent, and Owen Stokes at Leeds United and Philly Gannon at uh, West Brom. So we've quite a few boys that are are uh, making their way up the, the ladder so hopefully we'll see a few more apart from obviously the likes of Liam Brady and Damien Duff and Alan Mabry and Stephen Carr a couple of boys that have come through the, the system and Ian, Ian Hart as well I can't forget about Ian and, and then obviously Jeff and Robbie and then hopefully we'll get a few more coming through because it'll be, be great for the club to see that Kevin's players have, have gone through the system and played for the international side You've just named a, uh, nearly half the Irish team that played in the 2002 World Cup there to have this amount of players and considering the last time Ireland got to the World Cup was 12 years ago, did you ever think that, geez, this is, this is an unbelievable record? Yeah, it's, when, you, when, you look at, when you look at it now, the players that are coming through the system at the moment, it's like a lot of, some clubs don't maybe only have one or two. We're, we're, starting to, we're starting to hit now double figures or double figures are players going to England, possibly more. So yeah, hopefully like, you have Robbie and you have Robbie and Jeff playing and then the Hovey they're still playing when the likes of Jack comes through, Alex O'Hallan, I said they play for the junior, the Irish squad juniors. So if you can get you get four Kevin's player, maybe five in the same team, it'll be oh, it'll be fantastic. Has it brought anyone to tears yet when you see think of these guys the first time they, they played in a, a seven aside match or anything like that and now they're playing Republic of Ireland versus Italy, for instance, uh, for Hendricks? I'm sure it does. I'm sure the, the managers that have been involved with them over the years are, are very proud and obviously the parents are very proud because they're the ones that have to bring them up to the club on a weekend basis and bring them um, bring them training and bring them to the game. So obviously it's them. And for the managers that looked at them, I'd say it, it is. You've got those type of international players, which you've also got players like, as we just mentioned, on Wearing, Ronan Finn as well, guys who went in and played uh, Europa League football and that type of level. So you're kind of filling out even guys moving into the, the top range of Irish soccer as well. Yeah, it is. It's great to see the boys... If um if it doesn't work out in England, like a lot of those guys have done trials in England, unfortunately it hasn't worked out. But they've come back and done done well for uh, done well in the League of Ireland. Like Ronald Finn's a perfect example, smashing smashing guy, lovely guy, and he's 
he's doing excellent for uh, he's doing excellent for Shamrock Rovers, and then obviously Owen Warren is starting to fit in nicely in bowls. So Connor Murphy, Connor Murphy's doing well, and we'll hopefully have a few more boys coming through. Carl Young played for Man City, and then obviously it didn't work out for him. He done a couple of rounds with Millwall club like that, and now he's back playing for bowls. So it is good that these guys, if they, if it doesn't work out in England, that they can hopefully get a good career here in Ireland, and it is working out. It's it just it just shows us that we we we're not just based on our players getting to England that we do try and try and get them into the League of Ireland and a lot of them are starting off the League of Ireland and hopefully they'll get picked from the League of Ireland to move on so it'll, it'll stay the League of Ireland great. It's not just a junior club. St Kevin's boys senior team are very keen to keep the flag flying high. Competing in the AUL League, the senior team have had notable scalps. Paddy Brophy, the club captain and AUL player of the year in 2014, talks about how he joined the great St Kevin's boys. I signed from Ballymun, Ballymun United, originally from Ashbourne. Our rivals, Ballymun United, obviously was the captain of them for a, a couple of years. And uh, Jerry Davis brought me in, but he decided to leave. And a couple of lads, I, I kind of stuck around because I knew what was going to happen with the juniors. And, you know, you can't ask for anything in this club. They treat me with the utmost respect and all the players. So, you know, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, well, there's a lot of pressure on us because the, the junior level is so well run. So every team is winning all Ireland's every year. It's not that we're letting the club down. It's just, you know, the young the young lads are developing now at this stage. So they're coming through. And with the new management we have in, he's picking from the under-18s and the 17s. And uh, they seem to be coming through and getting stronger mentally and physically. So hopefully now in the next couple of years, as he has the manager, Martin Doyle, he has a, a two-year, three-year plan. And, it seems to be working out at the minute. We're playing football a lot better than what we were, so hopefully now we can push on. Real community sense here, even where the club is located, that they're, they're really part of the local community now. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because usually people say Kevin's and they say, like, oh, it's not a community based because they've so many players from around the country and from around Dublin. Obviously, they, they try and pick out the, the better players from around the county and the country, and which they do tend to get. But I can see with the senior level, he had to, because there was a lack of players there when the, when the manager left. He had to go around and pick from local local teams and the whole lot, because it was tough to get in. But um, it was definitely that community spirit. Though for its massive success, St Kevin's Boys has received criticism as players outside the greater Whitehall area now wear the famous jersey. Chairman Michael O'Callaghan is happy to answer those statements. It's a tricky one. Um, one of the things that does happen is from the mid-90s, maybe towards the late 90s, once we developed the facilities that we have here, the clubhouse and the pitch and all that type of thing, once we got into top-class coaching and the coach that we got in and the gear and the training gear, we found that the opposite was happening. The players were coming to us and parents were coming to us saying, can we get our, our, our kids into, into, into your club? When we run the academy here, sorry, the um, academy cup here at Easter, the Easter tournament, we get people from literally now the four corners of Ireland. I know there's a local rule and we have to be conscious of that. But we get people now asking to get their kids into the club. Even if they can't play, they want to get them into the first team, the second, the premier team, the second team, even the third team, from far and wide. And the other situation is a lot of our former members, people like myself, I would have grown up in this area, in this parish. I now live outside, a distance away. Well, a lot of the former members want to get their, their, their kids or sometimes even their grandkids back into St. Kevin's because of the link with the old, you know, the old club and all that kind of thing. We're now finding the players are coming to us and we're, we're actually, you have to be selective now. You can't say yes to everybody because we would have had this year at trials, if we were to take on all the players who turned up and, and requested to play, we probably would have double the size club. We have about 46 teams, the biggest ever in the history of the club. We could be running 80 or 90 teams if we were to take all the applicants in that wanted to go in. We have to be a bit selective. So it certainly does happen that this, this, this team clubs out there going looking for players um, but as much as anything 
people are knocking on the door, which is a nice thing to have in some respects, and, and yet you don't want to dilute your core. 50 years down the road, the little club from Whitehall aren't even halfway through their story. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.